At the beginning of the pandemic, Sarah McElroy was working hard, pursuing an MBA and holding down a full-time marketing job when most of her coworkers got laid off. And it was only my boss and me who were not furloughed. So, you know, I'm there and I'm really grateful to still have an income, have a little bit of survivor's guilt, I suppose, in that regard. And it was just like, well, we've got to keep the wheels turning. So it was just kind of insanity where my legs are moving and I can feel myself resisting, but I just can't stop. The extra work didn't stop. Sarah switched jobs, but the new role was even more demanding. The burnout was really hitting toward the end of 2020 as I was trying to push through and finish up my grad school program. I was working up to 20 hours a day trying to juggle both of them at the same time. I felt, you know, I had to prove that I could do both school and job and excel at the job at the same time. That's a lot, 20 hours a day? It was crazy. Not every single day, 20 hours a day, but there were times where I was just pushing it to the brink. And, you know, I had this internal whisper that I I could tell, you know, it was too much. I would have these moments of just like, I can't do it anymore. And I knew that that was not really a normal response, but I just felt like I was on the hamster wheel and I had to keep going. Sarah kept pushing, but eventually it all got too much. She realized that what she was experiencing was burnout. And you're sort of like running on adrenaline all the time. Exactly. A hundred percent. And, you know, I thought it it just meant I needed to, I needed to cut back on hours, uh, chase that elusive 40-hour work week, and I'd be fine. But what it's really made me do is raise a mirror to myself and think about, like, why am I putting so much effort and stock into who I am as far as my career um, and my identity. And it's made me take a hard look at Sarah. Burnout is a growing problem. In a recent study, three quarters of American workers said stress and burnout are the biggest challenges to their well-being. So employers are now trying to figure out what they can do to fight burnout. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, January 11th. Coming up on the show, the American workers and companies struggling with burnout. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow. Everyone's talking about AI. Everyone. But where do you start? How can it actually help your business? The ServiceNow platform brings intelligence into every corner of your company. So every person, every system, every process, everything works better. Put AI to work. Tap the banner or go to servicenow.com slash genai to see how. Burnout has been studied for decades, but only recently has the dialogue shifted towards burnout not being a personal failure or someone's personal burden. That's our colleague Ray Smith, who covers careers. The dialogue has really shifted to 
burnout is something that companies have to address. It's no longer on the individual anymore. The World Health Organization defines burnout as being caused by chronic workplace stress. People who experience it may feel exhausted or mentally detached from their job. The Citigroup CEO, you know, she wrote in a company-wide memo about burnout. It is not simply the long hours taking a toll. It is the density of the day, bouncing from one Zoom to the next, barely a minute to catch your breath, to reflect, digest, or prepare for what's next. And I can't tell you how many reader emails we got about that specific quote, because people sort of identified exactly with what she was saying. Yeah, I felt like it very much resonated for me. And (laughs) when I was at college at the University of Michigan, they say the class is an hour, but it's actually 50 minutes. So you have 10 minutes to go between classes. (laughs) And I'm like, I need that in my day now. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. And burnout can also make workers less efficient at their jobs. A burned-out employee ultimately will decline in productivity because they just can't do it anymore. They can't push themselves anymore, and they're going to get resentful. It might mean, you know, mistaking a zero or leaving out a zero because you were tired and burned out could lead to, you know, millions of dollars in losses. My colleague, Taiping Chen, found some statistics from Gallup, and it showed that burned-out employees are 63% more likely to take a sick day and nearly three times as likely to be actively seeking a different job. While burnout predates the pandemic, Ray says working from home has exacerbated those feelings for some people. And the global pandemic added stress. It wasn't just work this time. It was fear during the pandemic, And it's hard to quantify how much the stress of worrying about COVID, what kind of psychic toll that took on people while they're trying to work. You know, people were living in fear. And so that's already exacerbating whatever else you're going through. Sarah, the marketing professional in Atlanta who was dealing with burnout, agrees with Ray. I think for for all of us, We really, the way our society works and our economy is structured, we go, go, go. And nobody really had time to to pause and stop and think about uh, how we fit into the broader picture and what we really want. And so I almost think that the shutdown requiring everybody around the country to, to pause, it made us all stop and think about what do we really want out of life? Sarah, who is 36, said the long hours at the start of the pandemic began to take a toll on her physically. In June 2020, she ended up in the ER after throwing up blood. She went to a doctor who suggested she have an endoscopy, but she said she felt too busy to book it. A month later, she made that job switch and became the chief marketing officer at another company. And what were you looking to get out of that job? Well, for me, it was a huge bump from a career standpoint, but the opportunity to be a CMO was hugely attractive to me to shape a brand and to scale it across the country. You're like an overachiever. Totally. A hundred percent. But last January, Sarah threw up blood again and went back to the ER. This time, she got the endoscopy 
and the doctor said it was caused by stress. It's one thing for those internal whispers to be ignored, and then my body starts telling me that I've got to make a change. I didn't really listen at that time, though. Sarah got sick again in April, this time with shingles, and was told by her doctor to take eight days off. And that's when I knew that I had a real problem at hand, but my mind was grateful for the chance to slow down. So there's a massive physical manifestation of your stress. For sure. That landed you in the ER in January of 2021. Correct, yes. And yet, you kept working through it. I did, yes. That was the thing I think that was so confounding for me is that at that point, though, I had graduated from school. And so that was in my mind. It was like, okay, I just need to get through school. It's going to get better after that. I can cut back on some of my hours. And I did start to scale back on some things, but I just felt like I I couldn't stop. Were your friends and family saying to you, you've got to stop? Like, Sarah, you're pushing yourself too much. You know, definitely with friends, I think... I think my family has always been a little bit confused by my level of work ethic. You know, it's something that's like, it's so virtuous, right? Like in our society, we venerate work ethic as one of the the top characteristics that someone can embody, but ultimately there can be a dark side to that. And so I think for a long time, I always sort of confused them, but they, they've been supportive because they don't know me as anything different. You know, it was actually something where when I was in high school, my friends used to uh, joke that I plugged into the wall at night to recharge um, rather than sleeping. So, you know, it's just, it's been a part of who I am for a really long time. Eventually, Sarah quit and took a new job in Florida with a company that offered a better work-life balance. I love how much quieter and slower the pace of life is in Florida. Atlanta was very much hustle and bustle, and it was a great city, but it's been really great to slow down during the pandemic and uh, retreat to the water here in Florida. I think I'm just one of those people who is waking up and saying, you know, I love to work. I want to have an impact. I want to do great things with career and the time that I invest, but I also need to think about me and what I want as well. After the break, what some companies are doing to prevent burnout. This episode is brought to you by Canva. It's time to ditch your old presentation programs at work and try Canva presentations instead. It'll help you create stunning slides in no time. No design experience needed. Just start with one of the designer-made templates or generate something in seconds with AI. Then polish it up and get ready to wow your audience. It's that easy. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise.
Last June, the dating and friendship app Bumble made headlines. Dating app Bumble giving its employees the week off. The company confirming to Sky News that its offices are closed this week. The dating app CEO says they're paying all 700 employees to stay off the clock this week. It's a chance for them to sort of rest and recover after 15 months of living through a pandemic. And they say there's a thank you. Bumble's president is Tarek Shockett. So let's talk about how you, Tarek, work and be honest about this. When you wake up in the morning, is the first thing you do check your email? Yes. The first thing I would do would be wake up and check our business results from the previous day, which normally is in my inbox when I wake up. Do you have things that you do to stop yourself from working? I love sailing, and that is very good at keeping you from working because, you know, your phone could end up in the ocean somewhere or something. I also have a habit that I don't really like to tell people all that much about, which is I love playing video games. And that is my escape from everything is, you know, getting in front of the console for a couple of hours. Bumble went virtual when the pandemic began, which Tarek said led to longer hours for many workers and feelings of burnout. To combat that, Bumble decided to give most of its employees a week off at the same time. Taking vacation when everybody else is working is not the most relaxing experience. I don't know about you, but certainly I check while I'm on vacation every morning, every evening um, to see what did I miss, right? Make sure I don't have a backlog of stuff. So we basically said, let's actually shut down the company for the most part, but shut down the company for a week where we basically said everybody's off during this time. The exception to that was some of our customer support. We do have a series of apps that are on 24-7. Dating happens all the time. Dating happens continuously, and cybercrime happens continuously, so our IT security team needed to still be working. What about you? Did you check your email? Did you totally log off? I, um, okay, I... Did not for the first three days. I have, I have a hard time switching off personally for the first two or three days afterwards. After that, I was with my family in Colorado. We went whitewater rafting. We did a whole bunch of things like that. So even those four days or so that I really took off was so much more relaxing and energizing for me personally because I wasn't constantly worried about what I was missing or what am I coming back to from a work standpoint. How does it help the business? From a retention and a attraction of talent standpoint, it's a super competitive talent market. I'm not telling you anything that isn't in the journal every day about how how competitive the talent market is. We want to be known as a place that takes care of the people who work for us and that works with them. It's not not just a paternalistic thing of we'll take care of you, but that listens and we come up with solutions jointly. Bumble will now do a company-wide week off twice a year. So... One piece of this is providing a place where people want to work and can kind of bring their best professional self through having time. But the other side of it is kind of the pressure that managers put on their staff that creates burnout. How do you address that piece of it? Probably not as well as we've addressed some of the other pieces. I think this is what I would say is a work in process right now. Part of what gets lost is the feedback loop of, are we putting too many demands uh, on your plate? We don't want to be a place that doesn't get work done. Obviously, we have pretty high ambitions as a company, but we need to make sure that we're calibrated with what is a reasonable workload. Our managers are good, 
but no one is used to working in this remote world. And even though we're a year plus into it, we're still learning how to be good managers, I think, in this world. Before the pandemic, 60% of employees thought that mental health was something they should deal with on their own. But a survey carried out last June found that opinions had flipped. Now, 62% of employees thought that employers had a responsibility for their mental health. Ray spoke to several companies about how they were addressing burnout. While Bumble is giving its staff a week off, others, like Dropbox, tried more flexible hours to give employees more control over when they work. And Dropbox was frank. They sort of said there were too many pitfalls. They worried about an uneven playing field where pay and promotions might go to workers who get the most face time with managers. So they scrapped that idea. Right. It creates new problems. It creates new problems. You know, a lot of companies were talking about Fridays being a day where we schedule no meetings or email-free Fridays. And some of the companies were finding that employees were still logging on anyway. Or in some cases, they were finding, well, if we're off Friday, we're going to try to schedule as many meetings as we can Monday through Thursday. And so it almost defeated the purpose. But giving perks to employees may be one tool to tackle burnout, but it may not be effective if managers and bosses don't change their expectations of their employees. Exactly. And that's what a number of burnout researchers are saying. A couple that I interviewed, they admire these companies for finally taking some steps, but they do point out that the root issues are management workload, and expectations. And this implicates bosses, basically. Those bosses may be burned out themselves because their bosses are giving them pressure to perform and to make their team perform. So it's this vicious cycle. Sarah, in this podcast, we're also looking at what companies are doing to help tackle burnout. Things like giving employees a week off or flexible schedules and other perks. Do you think that is the right approach? I don't think it can be a one-size-fits-all approach. Just because you you move, you switch environments, you cut back on work hours, it doesn't mean that you've healed what has been a wound essentially decades in the making. And, you know, you think about it like a physical injury. If I broke my ankle, I'd go to the doctor and they'd tell me to stay off my ankle for weeks, if not months. But it's not that way with burnout. I don't necessarily think companies can just paint a broad stroke with a week off here or uh, a mindfulness program there and expect for burnout to go away. It's oversimplification of a very complex issue. What would your advice be to someone who is feeling burnout and doesn't know what to do about it? Maybe doesn't even, can't even fully identify it. Sure. I, you know, Kate, I think I'm honestly still learning too, because it is such a confusing, lonely place. I would say, take a hard look at your life and say, what is filling me up and what is draining me? And as much as you can, those things that are draining you inside of work and outside of work, cut them out where you can, because you'll never be able to heal with those things continuing to steal your peace. And to look at your entire life and start to re-architect 
the different pieces in such a way that is going to bring you more sort of everyday joy. How do you find joy? When I came down here to Boca, I was looking for for places and I walked into this tiny little place on the water. And in my, from my bedroom in my living room, I can just, I can see the water. And so every day, if nothing else, when all of the, you know, the chaos is swirling around me, I stop and I enjoy the water. A few mindful moments just to try and ground and um, remind myself that I'm not my job. (laughs) I have more value than just my career and, you know, Sarah, the marketing director. And that has made a big difference. That's all for today, Tuesday, January 11th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode from T-Ping Chen and editing help from Bethel Hopte. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.